everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So, before we get into it, I just want to thank my sponsor, LegitMTG.com, for sponsoring this podcast for over three years now. Thank you so much, LegitMTG.com, for sticking with me for this long, to be honest. It's um, a little crazy. So if you have not heard of them, definitely check out their website, LegitMTG.com, because you will get free shipping for any order over $2 or more for any singles and sealed product. So be sure to check them out and give them some love. They also have a lot of well-written content and some other podcasts on there as well, too, that they sponsor. So LegitMTG.com, check them out. So what are we talking about today? Um... So I was not not really want to say racking my brain of what I was going to be talking about, but more of just, you know, I, I so I do D&D on Friday nights now. I, I no longer do FNM. I haven't done FNM since I can't even remember the last time I did FNM. It was definitely sometime last year. I don't think I did any FNM at all this year at all. If I did, it had to have been right before Ravnica Allegiance. It was the last time I did FNM because I know for sure as soon as Ravnica Allegiance came out, I hated Standard. Standard now is, I feel, in a much better place. I still like it. Yeah, there's still Mono Red and Esper you got to deal with. Yeah, I know. it's You're always going to have to deal with that stuff. But um, it's... It, I was really... So last last week I was when I was DMing, um, you know, we were having a break. Like, you know, like 10, 15 minute break because we went... Because I usually try to DM, we try to play for four to five hours every Friday, and um, just and I do it at the LGS that I used to play FNM at, and so you know it's Friday night, and I'm just sitting around watching people playing Magic, and maybe just walking by, just seeing people, and there was obviously someone who just got really mad because they lost, and I think it was maybe one of the final rounds of FNM, and they got really mad, stormed off, and just just acted like the complete immature person and it really got me thinking i don't miss competitive play at all even at that fnm level yeah i know fnm is not really that competitive right but it's sort of for a competitive magic player or someone who wants to get into the competitive scene it's sort of your first step your your first step into the pool of competitive magic play and it just really got me thinking of all my experiences with competitive play and how much I don't miss it. There are certain things I miss about it, but I really don't. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that. Maybe talk about some of my experiences with that. And then, um, yeah, just dive a little bit deeper into that because I posed the question on Twitter and I want to read what a lot of people wrote to me and I'll show it up on the screen here. Um, if you're watching the video so you can see the little Twitter snippet and, um, yeah, so we'll just go from there. So, um, you know, you know what I'm actually going to do here, um, that I haven't done in forever. I'm going to play a little audio skit and it's just going to be a random audio skit as I'm recording this. I don't know which one, but I have them saved somewhere. I used to do a lot of these audio skits in the first year and a half of Magic Wazoobie and maybe I should get back into doing that kind of stuff. It's almost like Pixie Kitten Plays has sort of inspired me to some of those audio skits. I mean, they're just pure audio. I don't know if I'd ever do video skits because it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. We, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I'm going to play an audio skit for all of your lovely ears to listen to, and then we will get into the main topic here.
And now it's time for Bob Plays Magic. Oh man, I can't wait to play FNM tonight. I brought this awesome Emerge deck. Me too! I'm so excited! I finally got my playset of smuggling copters! Wait, is that Bob? Yeah, he is. What is he doing behind the counter? Is he the tournament organizer for tonight? Oh no... Guys, Wizards is down. Thank you for calling Wizards Customer Care. How may I help you? No, oh, yes. No, uh, Wizards is down. Sir, what do you mean Wizards is down? Um, yes. The Wizards program is down, and I can't start Friday Night Magic. Sir, did you try restarting the program? Um, uh, how do I do that? Sir, just close out the program and open it again. Sir, did you just close your laptop and open it back up again? I, uh, don't know what you mean. Uh, can someone just come by and fix us? I don't think I can do that, sir. You're going to have to get someone that's more knowledgeable on the phone to help you. Listen, just patch me into the Grand Wizard. Sir, there is no one here by that name. Oh, the Grand Wizard, lady. He designed Magic the Gathering. I know him personally. Just patch me through. Sir, as I said, there is no one here by that name. And frankly, that name is offensive. Um, if the Grand Wizard is gone, who can help me? Sir, just please have someone help you who knows what a computer is. Lady, I know what a computer is. I helped invent the computer. I was the first to lay down the pipeline for the internet. Well, just the other day I was speaking with the Grand Wizard about how we used to work the railroad and lay brick down while discussing magic art design. And it was about that time that I realized that the Grand Wizard was actually a 60-foot-tall crustacean. And that has been Bob playing magic. So before we get into things I don't miss about competitive play, let's go back a little bit and talk about my first FNM experience. So I got back into magic and just like most people, you know, I, I've talked about this before on the show. You take breaks, you come back and, you know, you play because um, I took a very long break and I didn't come back to magic till M13, I want to say. But I wasn't even playing FNM at that point. I was just really collecting cards, buying packs, playing casual decks with my wife and I. And, you know, the kids were really young, so I couldn't really teach them magic or anything like that. So it, th that's pretty much when I got back into it and I haven't stopped since yeah maybe I've had little breaks here and there but just for the most part it's I've been hooked on magic since M13 but my first FNM experience it was actually my very first draft and I had no idea how to draft at all we never drafted as a kid we didn't have any LGSs in my town growing up so I, I didn't even know what draft was to me it was a whole new concept the the owner quickly explained it to me and i'm like okay i had no idea it was a 40 card deck you're supposed to build so i'm like picking all these cards trying to make a 60 card deck and you know and they're they're teaching me all this stuff and it was um i think it was a return to ravnica draft no return to ravnica gate crash and um dragon's maze Dragon's Maze draft was my very first draft ever, my first FNM experience, and I fell in love with it. Everyone at the LGS that I went to, the owner was super nice. I even had him on the podcast. I'll have to look up what episode he was on, but I know I interviewed him 
on the podcast for like maybe 20, 25 minutes. Um, and then I had, um, you know, really good time. I, I got addicted to drafting and I actually won, I think second place that night. I, I didn't, couldn't beat the first place person, but there was, so I drafted for the longest time at FNM and that was the way I really enjoyed magic. I met a lot of friends that way. And that's, that was sort of my first foray into competitive magic, quote unquote. I know it's casual REL essentially, but that was my first dipping my toes into it. And it was a lot of fun. Like I said, I met a lot of people. I, I still have some lifelong friends that I've met and still talk with there. And it was just a really great experience, a really great social experience. And that's something I would never want to take away. This is not really sort of meant to, even though I'm going to be bad talking a lot of competitive magic, this is not really meant to stop anyone from entering the pool of competitive magic. It's, it can be very fun and rewarding, and if you are a competitive person like I can be, it can be a very fun and rewarding experience as well, too. But like most things, there's always a dark side, a bad side to it. And I started noticing that going to different LGSs and also starting to get into standard as well, too, or constructed. Uh, my first standard event was... M15 had just come out, and I was really trying to make Insole Artifact work. This is before Magic Origins, where the Insole Artifact deck was somewhat of a thing. It, it did win, what, a Magic GP or something like that, or not a GP, um, Pro Tour, or it came very close to winning a Pro Tour. I think it got second place. Mike Segrist played it. and um, But I tried to make Insole Artifact work as soon as M15 came out, because I fell in love with that card, and it was just so much fun. And then you really started running into a lot of the attitudes of so of people who spent a lot of money into the game and people who really knew every single card out there and you would just start meeting some people that are just not altogether nice and just be really rude and condescending to you and that was my sort of first look into oh okay not everything's going to be peachy and rosy and i can see why people wouldn't like this and yeah so and, and there's been there's just been a lot of a lot of stuff and it's there's been a lot of good times with playing fnm i have a lot of fun stories of you know how i clutch some really crazy wins but there's also a lot of times where i've just met so many rude people as well too and i think i've talked about this before where i I mean, there's really no easy way to say this without coming across condescending or rude. But magic does attract a certain type of person to where they don't exactly have the greatest of social skills or even can really recognize social cues on people. And I'm not talking about the hyper-competitive person who's just... Well, heck, you know, maybe I am talking about the hyper-competitive person as well, too. But... And you probably understand the kind of people I'm talking about. I know I've talked about, you know, I had a whole episode one time where I talked about LGS horror stories where I've had people, you know, throw their decks across the LGS and just, you know, rip up cards because they're so mad they lost. But there, there's a special breed of people that will come to these kind of events. And I've heard the same stuff at Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, tournaments too. So I, I don't think it's just, you know, related to magic. It's maybe it's just card games in general, but it's definitely the rude kind of people and just people who I, 
like I said, I don't think they have the social skills or where social wherewithal to know that they're doing something not socially acceptable. Like either, you know, a big one is hygiene where people just straight up don't come and shower. And that's always disgusting. Or people that are just straight up rude where they'll just, you know, it's especially to FNM, right? Where FNM, the stakes are extremely low. Okay, what's the big top prize at FNM? Maybe if you go to a big store, you could possibly win $100, right? And that's not bad. You pay 5 bucks and win 100 bucks. That's not bad. But for most stores, like the times that I've won FNM at most of the stores around my area, it's like... 30 40 bucks 50 bucks maybe tops and majority of time that's going to be in store credit and you use that to buy singles or other kind of sealed product that you may want right but it's there's just so much stuff that i don't mess with the rude people and you just god and, and the elitism too how many times have you gone into a shop like maybe you're brand new to the shop and you walk in there and there's all these people that are already in clicks and it's not so much that they're trying to be rude or closed off but maybe you want to like go up and like hey you know you want to play a few games and they're like no no don't don't want to play with you or or you go to fnm and you know one of the things i always try to do as an icebreaker regardless of anyone i ever played against in magic just be like hey how's it going you know hey what are you doing here and you know you having fun you know if it's at a gp fnm whatever just sort of talk to the person like hey you've been playing magic long you know how how, how do you like the new set or something like that you know just any kind of icebreaker and there'd be so many times you get people that just wouldn't really and I don't mean the people that are like socially awkward, but just people just completely shut you down where you're just like, nope, nope, I'm here to play FNM. This is super serious here. And you're like, oh, God. And and I guess over the years, it wasn't just that one experience. It was I guess it was just a culmination of all these experiences where it just got me to a point where I'm like, I just don't miss competitive play. And since I've you know, I did take that break just in content creation and in magic in general. Um, a couple months ago, back in March, and then I sold off a huge chunk of my collection, and now I'm at a point where I just, I don't miss competitive play at all, like, I really don't miss it, and if I really have the urge to play some standard, I've got Magic Arena, Magic Online right now, which is filling that niche for me, but if I really want that social experience of Magic, I've got my buddies who it'll take us forever to get together and play some EDH or even some cube or some sealed, but we can eventually get together once a month or something to be able to play some magic. So I've got that at least. The other thing I really don't miss about competitive play is just the rules lawyering. This you, I can understand it at a competitive REL event. That's fine. When you're at an event like that, you need to be on your game. You have to be on your game 100%. You got to make sure all the layers and the triggers and the every single interaction you know 100% and that you're doing it 100%. But it does get mentally draining. But when I go to an FNM and it's completely casual, you know, I'm still going to play to the best of my ability, but I'm going to be honest on Friday nights, I'm exhausted from work. I've had such a long week. You know, I come here, just want to have fun. And then you get the people that are like, 
no, that interaction is not correct and I won't allow you to take it back. And when it's not even sort of like a game winning move or something where like, oh, that interaction could have helped you win. You're just sort of like, come on, man. You know, I made a mistake. Really? You're going to be like that and just be like, mm, we can take it up with the judge. And, you know, I've had people like that just seriously when it's FNM, it doesn't matter one bit and it just really turns you off and you're like, and a lot of times just gets me wondering, like, why do I even bother coming if I'm going to have to deal with people like this? And, you know, people wonder why there's, you know, I, I hate to say this, but, you, you know, people wonder why there's not more women in magic because you have to deal with assholes like that. And you're like, whatever, I, I don't need to deal with this crap here, you know, um. But those people just really kill it for me, especially to FNM. Yeah, a lot of this is centering around FNM because that's the majority of my experience. And, you know, I do expect that at GPs and IQs and PTQs and PPTQ levels, that's fine because I'm expecting that type of behavior. But come on, not at FNM. I mean, really? I mean, unless you're at a hyper competitive store where like all the pros play there or like really good players play there all the time. Okay, yeah, maybe I can understand that. But. Come on, it's FNM people. It's super casual. Doesn't even really matter if you win or lose, because it. I mean, yeah, maybe for people that are trying their best to get better at the game, but like I said, it, that comes back to the point where you really need to read the room. You need to read the person that you're playing against. If you know that they're a casual player or a new player, but they're wanting to dip their toes in it, don't be an asshole to them. Be nice. Be understanding. Like if. If you're going to rule lawyer people, maybe say like, oh, hey, you know, you forgot this trigger, you know, and make them understand what they messed up. Right. People will be like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. You know, don't just be like, oh, you missed this and now you can't take it back. You could be like, well, you missed this interaction. Here's why. This is what you need to make sure you do next time. But, you know, just for next time. But just don't it's. It's being nice. That's one of the things. It's just be nice to people. You don't know what everyone else is going through and just make them understand the mistake they made is something that I've learned in life. Because if you just say, oh, nope, you made you made this mistake and I'm not going to let you take it back. And you know what? I don't care. You know, there's too many people like that at, at just magic events, period. Um I, I know I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I really don't miss the smell. Don't miss this. I mean, yeah, I actually last week when I was DMing for D&D, there was a table right across from us that was playing magic and Jesus, there was an odor. You're just like, oh, damn. And I had to like keep checking myself like, like, oh, is it me? Is it me? No, it's not me. It's it's the other other, other people over there. And even some of my players were looking at me like, it's not you. It's definitely them because, you know, I. Not that I'm like self-conscious that I'm smelling, but you know, when you smell that BO odor, you're sort of like, is it me? Like, did I accidentally forget to put on deodorant or something? And then, yeah, no. Nah, and then just too many times I've been to too many LGSs where the smell was just too bad. The other thing I really don't miss about competitive play, and especially when I tried to get into that grinding circuit of PTQs, IQs, PPTQs, whatever you want to call them, um, I would practice so much with my deck you know, playing online on X-Mage, excuse me, on X-Mage, Magic Online, Cockatrice, what have you, and I'm practicing so much, you felt like you really knew the deck and the matchups, but then you started hating the game, where it just felt like a chore to play, and you're just like, and it wasn't like that at first, it, it 
took me a few months for me to get that feeling where it was just like, okay, what am I really doing here? Why do I really want to try to get better? Like what I'm, I had to really sit down and ask myself, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? Am I trying to get to a pro tour? No, I don't really have any interest in it. Could I do it? Yes, I could if I applied myself, but I don't have any interest in it. I think I was just, I think at the time I was just wanting that competitiveness. I, I missed that competitive atmosphere from martial arts where, you know, going to tournaments and fighting and, you know, competing against other people. I missed that. And I think I was trying to fill that gap with magic because it's very similar to that because you never know who you're going to go up against and how good they are. And it, it was that thrill, right? But after a while, especially like six months of trying that or however long I tried, I, I really don't remember. You just started to be like, okay, what am I doing here? Why am I wasting my time? I'm an adult here at this point. I don't need the money if I'm trying to win money, right? I don't really care about the notoriety of getting good. So what what am I trying to do here? You know, and that's just, I had to really sit down and ask myself that. And then once it started feeling like a job, that's when I was like, okay, I need to back up here and stop because now I'm getting obsessive with it and getting angry for losing at the littlest things. I mean, hell, I get angry at losing at Magic Arena. You can ask my wife here where I'm just like, oh, some stupid BS mono red for the 15th time in a row. And you draw seven lands in a row and you're like, I'm only running 19 lands. And how am I drawing seven lands in a row? Because the arena shuffler is broken. But that's another whole topic and a whole nother episode right there. But yeah, it's just, you know, that was another thing that made me really feel, you know, like it's it was just a chore. I, I guess... I guess the, the 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 stuff that I'm really trying to get to is the things that I don't miss is, you know, I, I guess it's just, it's all really related to people, the way that people treat each other. And I get it. It's competitiveness. I'm not asking like, oh, everyone needs to be singing Kumbaya and all that stuff. But just, I think the biggest thing that I found that a lot of people lack, and, and at least in my experience with competitive magic was respect respect and compassion for people that you know not everyone is going to be as good as you are not everyone is going to be like you and have a foiled out deck not everyone's going to be able to afford the latest and greatest deck and you know be able to bling out the magic and all that stuff i mean in the area that i'm at there are a lot of people that are not well off and they just bring their you know 10 15 dollar casual deck to fnm and they get wrecked and then you know, they never want to come back because everyone's just playing tier one hyper competitive decks. And that feeling really sucks. Trust me, I've been there. And, you know, it's it's not fun. To me, FNM and just, like I said, a lot of this is being revolved around FNM because that's like the biggest casual sort of play for dipping your toes into competitive magic is should be a type of atmosphere where you come every Friday, relax, play some cards, have some fun, try your best, but not, but the super hyper competitiveness can, can really feel like it ruins you. And, um, yeah, so I, I guess I just really wanted to talk about that sort of do story time Zuby here and just sort of rant and ramble on about it. So next I will be getting on to, um, what other people have said, what they don't miss about competitive magic, I'll be putting um, no in that way. Yeah, I, I forget which way I got a point when I'm looking at the looking at the recording screen. So that way you can see some of the tw Twitter snippets 
of people who responded to my little Twitter message there. So on Twitter, when I was trying to think of what I wanted to talk about for this episode, I put a question on Twitter asking, saying, reaching out to my followers here, an upcoming episode topic I will be discussing is things I don't miss about competitive magic. What are some things you all don't miss or don't like about competitive magic from FNM to PTQs to GPs? The first response I got was from Brett from Kitchen Table Commander stating, I just don't like the attitude that a lot of competitive players have. And maybe that's just the people I've played against. I'm sure it's not the norm. You are correct. There's, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of attitude that people can have with that they're competitive players where, you know, they may think they're better than you or maybe they just don't want to deal with, you know, your kind of BS and they're just there. They just want to win. They, they don't care about, they don't care about who they you know, push out of the way. They just want to win. And yeah, I totally get that. Understand. Uh, Adam Spain at Homeward Path MTG says, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I still, but I do still actively enjoy playing competitive. I think that's likely due to the less frequent nature of me playing it. I love the challenge and I make a point of playing something I'll enjoy that won't just roll over. So that is a good point there since Adam is not playing it as much as like maybe say I did because I was doing it every week, like trying to do it every week and try to do as much as I could on the weekends. If you're doing it less frequently, maybe you have less of a chance of running into bad people or maybe it just rolls off you a little bit easier because eh, you don't really have to deal with it that much. So I can understand that. Uh, my boy Alec the Dirtle from at Alec the Dirtle. Lord, I don't miss the dick measuring that happens. Yes, it's great for you that you have every modern deck and several meta legacy decks. Just because I can't afford nice things doesn't make me a bad player. Now I'll storm for 20 billion. You're dead. Yeah, that was another thing. Um, You know, I don't remember... I don't ever remember really getting any flack for maybe not having the best decks or not being able to afford the best decks. I can't remember anybody ever me personally experiencing that, but I can see that happening for sure. Like people who have foiled out decks and they see, Oh, you're crappy white border basics. And they're just like, ugh, whatever, you know, just giving you attitude. Yeah. I could certainly not miss that at all. Um, at total MTG says certainly don't miss the shops clicks from the F and M's. Oh yeah. I know exactly what you mean. The little clicks that, you know, it's just like high school all over again, right? The the clicks they have to deal with, the popular people, the jocks, the nerds, the geeks, the you know the popular people, whatever. Whatever. Um, the at tasty snackies writes players who use the round timer to their advantage. Oh my gosh, that's right. Oh, I hated those kind of people, especially people who would play control decks that really didn't have any win con. Like they could win the first game but you would be able to sideboard out against them to where you'd have a really good shot of winning games two and three, but they would play so slow, but not slow enough to where you could call a judge to where like, okay, for slow play, they, they know exactly how slow to play and they'll make sure that first game maybe took like 30, 35 minutes to where you won't have enough time to be able to beat them in games two and three. Oh, that was the worst. Oh, I hated that. Oh my gosh, because I, I, I love playing control decks, right? I love playing control. And I there were times where like I would play control and 
you know, first few times you always play a deck, you're going to be a little bit slow, right? Because you're not all 100% familiar with it. But once you start getting familiar with it, especially with control, there are times it can take you long because there's a lot of lines of play you have to go through. There's a lot of things you got to think of. Well, do I counter the spell now? Do I take out this creature now? Do I, you know, stop this now? Or do I wait for the really bigger threat? What else could they be playing? But then there's people that just take it to advantage, like, hmm, uh, turn one. What land do I play? Do I play the island or do I play the island? Mm, not sure. Those kind of people annoy the crap out of me. Yeah, I don't miss that at all. Uh, Scott Campbell, console of allocation at MTG Pack Foils writes, MTG Finance. Yeah, yeah, definitely did not miss that. Where, you know, you'd want to play the newest, hottest deck and, you know, MTG Finance people just buy out the that one card that you really need to make that deck work. And, oh, now it's shot up to 20 bucks a pop. And, uh, you got to drop the money if you really want to play it. I do not miss that. Um, Corey Anonymous from At Knife City from If Lands Could Kill. Hopefully that podcast comes back. Uh, best magic podcast out there. Uh, writes, salty, condescending, and elitist attitudes. I've already talked about that. Yeah, I do not miss the salt. Really do not miss the salty people. It, get, it gets pretty pr pretty um, mentally draining having to deal with those kind of people. Especially the condescending people, too. Um, T1 Glistener Elf writes, having to expend mo mental energy looking out for cheating. Yes, I did not mention that um, earlier, and that is 100% true. Um, not only is it you have to go in there with a mindset of making sure you're playing correctly, making sure all your lines of play are good, and you're calling out all your interactions and all your rules and all that stuff. Then on the other side, you have to make sure people are not cheating, especially with a deck. So I remember when I was pretty deep into trying to play competitive magic, Battle for Zendikar just came out, and Four Color Rally was the standard deck to play. The problem with that deck was there were so many triggers on that deck. And if you were not familiar with that deck's line lines of play, you had to like really make sure you watch your opponent. And there were times where you'd have to ask your opponent, like, okay, what are you doing for here? Okay, oh, you're doing that? And then you'd have to watch them because if they didn't call out their triggers and all that stuff, you'd be like, okay, you know, stop right there. What are you doing? Okay, okay, you're sacking this in response to this and blah, 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 blah. That you have to watch out for that stuff because there are too many times where, and it's not just call, you know calling out cheaters. Too, how many times have you all seen cheating videos where they play two lands right in one turn and they didn't have a card that allowed them to do that, or they took something from the graveyard that they shouldn't have and put it back in their hand? There's been too many times like that, and those are really hard to find or like catch if you're not looking for it because people can just get away with it. So yeah. That I do not miss at all. Oh my gosh. You know, one of the worst times I was up against someone was playing commander and they were cheating in a commander pod with no prize on the line or anything. And it was just like, really? You had to call him out on it. Um, at Warlord Hank writes, the people, for every decent person I play against, there are two that I can't stand. Yeah, I've already mentioned that before. I don't miss that at all. Um, at Paul... Paul R. at PDR035, um, one half of the Breakfast Club. No, it was the Breakfast Club, right? The MTG Breakfast Club? Am I, am I thinking of it right? Uh, Paul and Randy? Um, love those guys. Uh, he says, the cost, especially combined with bands and or rotation. Um, yeah, I don't 
really miss the cost of standard at all. Uh, I'm at a point now where I don't really, actually, I don't play standard except on Magic Arena, and I don't mind dropping like a hundred bucks on a new set coming out, and that's all I really have to drop, and that's it. Um, Joey the Living Guild Pack at Stranger Sparrow writes. Costs not only to keep a competitive deck, but travel and event fees, and the pain in the butt double sleeving because my stupid deck is so expensive, yes, and the expectation that you can't be playing just for a good time. I may be playing at Comp REL, but I'm here for the funds, yes, exactly. It's not only cost for the cards, but for travel and event fees, too. I mean, just for me traveling from Tampa to Atlanta, you know, I know I'm going to be spending $500 to $1,000 because on gas, food, hotel, um, you know, you try to split costs to try to, you know, mitigate those losses. But, you know, and then, oh, yeah, not just for those three right there, but then, you know, for the event, you know, cards you may buy for events that you want to play at and et cetera, et cetera, that adds up and it does get expensive. It's, you know, people that are traveling from GP to GP every week. I don't know how you do it. It's, that's expensive as hell. You must be doing it on cheap, cheap. Hey, more power too if you can do it. Um, Michael Sun at Mercurial Blue, really good streamer, says as someone who used to play in GPTs, PPTQs, WMCQs, GP main events, the worst part was playing against an opponent who was arrogant, condescending, and patronizing just because they had previous success in a high-level tournament. That's why I prefer to play casually or online now. Yes, that's all I'm gonna say is yes. 100% agree. I, I don't miss any of that, especially at an FNM level where, you know, oh, hey, they've been to a GP and they got top eight at a GP and you're like, okay, this is FNM. I don't care what you've done before. You know, good for you. Uh, James Fitz Fitzsimmons at Mr. Fitzy Fitz writes, I'm a competitive person by nature and once I'm playing Magic in a 1v1 setting, I become more focused on winning and that takes the fun out of it for me at times. Yep, I agree. I agree. It does really take the fun out of it, and especially if you're wanting to win. And then you just sort of need to get over that mindset of, you know, especially when you're just trying to play casual FNM level or, or something or like casual REL level, sort of like, okay, yeah, cool. You know, you just got to have that competitive mindset. Uh, Kel Red Zone MTG at Red Zone Rogue writes, jerks, cheaters, and stress. Especially cheaters, as we talked about earlier with T1 Glistener outfits, um, just having to expend that mental energy to if try to like not catch them. Rachel Alucard at the Red Bystander writes, I love competitive magic. I'm competitive myself, yet I regularly talk to my opponent, make a few jokes, and just have a nice time. I don't miss people punching themselves so hard for flooding, choking, etc. to the point that they drag everyone else down with them. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I forgot about those kind of people too. The kind of people where you go up against, like maybe it's round two or round three or something like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, how are you doing so far in the tournament? They go, oh, my deck flooded so bad. I just needed to get that one land drop or that one card and I could have won. I could have won the previous event or after you beat them, right? They say, well, I just kept on flooding. You know, your deck's not that good. My deck should have beat yours. And you're just sort of like, oh, God, shut up. I don't care. You lost. Okay. It happens to everybody. I mean, I know I've done it before. I've done it where I've complained about the flooding or, you know, choking or not getting that lucky draw. We've, I think we've all done it before. And you're not, and sometimes you're not even meaning to complain about it, but you're just sort of like, what the hell? I mean, how many times have you all played a game of Magic where you get, you draw your opening seven? Okay, there's literally nothing playable. You shuffle, 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 shuffle your deck, draw six. 
nothing playable again. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. You shuffle like crazy. Draw five, nothing. Draw four, still nothing. Draw three, you're like, why am I even playing at this point? You're just sort of like, what's the point at this point? I've done that many times and I'm like, you know what? You win. Yeah, I, I can't do anything for you. I'm not going to waste my time or your time. You know, you win. Oh God, I, I don't, I don't miss that. And I don't miss the people complaining about, especially when they act like, especially when they act like they're the better player than you. And, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I could have beat you. It's like, well, you didn't No, That's the thing. You didn't beat me. I beat you. Oh God. I don't miss that at all. Oh God. Talking about this whole thing is just making me realize I don't miss competitive play all that much at all. Um, Eric Sirfos Miller, the Talkin' Vidalkin at Talkin' underscore Vidalkin writes, I didn't like how when part of my group transitioned from full kitchen table to FNM grinding, all of a sudden the whole group started caring about formats and sideboards. The days of 83 card Tron decks with four Urza's armor was over. The extended format rotation was now king. Yeah, I, I've talked about that before. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast. Maybe I have, but I know I've talked about it with other people. Is I miss the innocence the ignorance of magic. There's a lot of times where I miss looking at cards from a set and just looking at like the most Timmy looking card or the most like fun looking card, but it's not very good in like standard or construct or anything like that. And it's being like, Whoa, this is cool. This eight, eight drop worm, you know, that's a 10, 10 you it's indestructible and has trample. It's so cool. Um, but it's not very playable at all. I missed I missed that because once I started getting into competitive magic, you see a new set. And while new sets can be exciting, even now, now that I'm not even really in competitive, like we're the spark, I was just sort of like, okay, set's cool looking. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, good cards. Yeah, th- yeah, that'll be decent and standard. And so even now I'm still like like that. I kind of miss being like, oh, oh my gosh, that new Planeswalker, it's so awesome. Now it's just like, mm, okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I I do miss the innocence before like diving into competitive magic. Um, Ed guys at at Doctor Eight Alters writes going to the same LGS, playing the same decks against the same faces week after week until one week. I looked around and realized everyone here looks miserable. It felt odd to break the FNM habit, but I'm glad I did. There were much better ways to spend my Friday evening. I definitely see what you mean now i don't think i looked around and like realized everyone looks miserable because for the most part the lgs that i played at there's a lot of friendly people for the most part there are the few people that are just like okay i don't want to play against you at all but you know it it's i i understand exactly what you mean especially when like mono red is prevalent in a format and it's like okay mono red or control especially now like especially during guilds of ravnica when it was like mono red jeskai control and um golgari where it's like okay those are the only three decks that are being played right now and i'm done um yeah so yeah that is that's it for everybody responding to it um i just want to thank everybody for responding to that thread um a lot of really great comments and making me like jar up my memory here for um just remembering a lot of that stuff so yeah there you have it for this week's episode and um thanks everybody for responding thanks for watching and listening um always appreciate everybody who does listen and watch the show um you know it's i I always need to do a better job of just really I, i don't know maybe just promoting my show more or something um and 
Yeah, I, I guess I can talk about some other things that I'm working on right now. Um, I'm working on trying to set up an interview for RPG Companion, RPG Companion's first interview, trying to get on a writer for RPG Companion to um, talk about what it's like to write an adventure module for not even just D&D, but for RPGs in general, because I myself am working on a D&D adventure module. Um, it's a lot of slower. I've been working on it for two, three months now. And it's just a lot of when whenever I have time and when I have the energy to expand, expend on it. Because it's it's been pretty slow, slow going for it. And I've shown some people, like the people on 10 Street Hooligans have seen it. And I did one quick play test of it the other week at D&D. And people seem to like it. But I'm, I'm working on that. And I don't have any kind of schedule on when that's going to be released. Because I'm really trying to get the rough draft done. It's going to be three chapters long. And I'm on the middle of chapter two. And chapter two happens to be the longest chapter. Because uh, chapter one's pretty short. Chapter two, super long. Comparatively. Chapter three, not as long. Um, probably longer than chapter one, but definitely not as long as chapter two, though. And um, I'm working on that. And so, I don't know, maybe if it got to a point where I could release some snippets, um, maybe on my Patreon. That's another thing. I have the Patreon still, but I'm not even, I don't know, I'm not really doing anything with it. Maybe I should, but I, I don't even know what I'd want to do on Patreon. For anybody who's listening, um, watching, listening, you know, if you're ever interested in, supporting me on patreon you know tell me what you'd want to see on it right tell me what you'd be interested in seeing and why you would want to support you know not only this channel but a lot of the content that i do the podcast um you know now that i'm going to be writing adventure modules as well too i'm also um so i have this one adventure module that i'm in the works for i've got two others i've already written notes down that i want to do um, one is a pretty fun adventure module that I've run one shots on before, um, that are, that's really fun. Every, everybody who's played it is really like the idea of it. And then the 10 street hooligans DND, uh, campaign is one that I'm writing. I have it all written down in my book. I just have not transferred it onto, um, onto computer. And that would be one I'd want to write as adventure module because it's sort of like a murder mystery type campaign for Ravnica and I'd love to get that out and publish publish it um it's just time and then laziness and procrastination uh, some of the other stuff I'm working on like I said I got that RPG companion episode I'm trying to schedule now uh Magic with Zuby obviously um and I'm trying to stream more right it's I mean I, I was the featured creator what was it two weeks ago now and that was a lot of fun that was really cool um thanks wizards for doing that um I don't think there's much else I'm working on for content-wise. Nothing else I can think of. I don't think I am. Um, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, thank you all for coming out, watching, listening. Um, if you want to reach out to me, Magigazubi can be found on the following on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You can find me on Facebook.com slash MagicWithZuby, on Twitter at MagicWithZuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. You can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And I think that about wraps it up. Also check out 10 Street Hooligans as well too. 
the weekly live stream podcast that I do with They Said We Said, uh, John Dunning, uh, Johnny Slivers, Pixie Kitten, and um, Coach from the Card Bazaar. Uh, thanks everybody for watching and have a great night.